How big a jerk do I want to be? Wait, hold on. Don't really answer that because there's plenty of evidence that points to the fact that I want to be a fairly big jerk. In this sort of next chapter of my career, next chapter of my life, do I want to be antagonistic? Do I want to be someone who fights online? Hey, it's Danny O'Neill. This is The Dang Apostrophe. It is a podcast. I believe I'm on episode four now. Still kind of finding my footing about how I'm going to do this. And a couple of things happened to me this week. Uh, The first being uh, I graduated from uh, therapy. That's not entirely true, but uh, I am wrapping up. uh, It's about six months now that I've been doing weekly uh, sessions with a cognitive behavior therapy uh, cognitive behavior therapist and kind of reached the point where I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, and unless there's new things to work on, the psychologist kind of suggested that I, I, I think we're moving toward wrapping things up. And I say that because I think I've made a significant amount of progress on some, some difficulties I was having, um, related to the employment transition, but just in general coming out of it. And then the reality yesterday realizing that one of the things that I need to work on, and it doesn't require a psychologist or a therapist, is the question of how how I behave online. And it relates to the story of Eileen Gu, who is an Asian American. She is a freestyle skier. She won a gold medal earlier this week in Beijing um, in in ski jumping. Um, Freestyle, I think, is the is is the name of the competition. It was awesome. Um, it was a great competition. But she she was born in America. Uh, her mother is Chinese. Uh, her father is is described as American, but he's he's not he's not really been written about. I don't even know if he's been identified. But she decided three years ago, two thousand nineteen, that she was going to compete for China, and she's done that. She's exceptional at the time. I I don't believe she was as highly ranked an international skier. As as she is now, I mean, winning the gold medal and she pulled off a trick that she didn't know. And it's a complicated story for a number of different reasons. I'm not sure if it's as complicated as some of the American press is making it out to be, but I've been interested in following it because for, for a couple reasons. I'm always fascinated by how the question of personal identity or choice gets mixed in with our allegiances in American professional sports or college sports. The stakes are fairly low here because look, I I went to the university of Washington. I'm a Washington fan. And in recruiting, when high school kids are choosing, you will see college fans talking about criticizing the either commitments where a high school student chooses to go to college or where who who they choose to play for and in the pros you have that guy plays for their team I don't like him like the the fan allegiance does come into to conflict with sort of other other people's ambitions if a kid from the state of Washington went to high school in Washington decides to go to the University of Oregon there are people that feel oh he's a traitor John Jonathan Stewart who is a running back did that I've had a very firm policy, um, and this, I, I want, I don't think I've ever, I hope I've never criticized a high school kid based on their their college choice. But 
for at least certainly for the entire time that I've ever been a radio host. My approach has been I don't have anything but enthusiasm for where a high school kid decides to go to college. And that includes I, I make a lot of fun at Oregon. I don't particularly like the University of Oregon. But if 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 a kid from Seattle decides that he wants to be a duck, I, I honestly and sincerely hope that that decision is incredibly fulfilling for him or for her. Like I do. I just I, I don't. Part of being a sports fan for me is not the demonization of of other athletes. And really, honestly, like at the core, not of other fan bases. I don't think the Huskies fan base is better or necessarily worse than other schools fan bases. Like we're all people. We have reasons that we cheer for something. Sometimes it's as simple as we go to school. I generally apply that in the Olympics too. But there's a nationalist sort of impulse and then there's global politics that get involved so it takes all those allegiances and it kind of twists them around again and and you're asked to answer do you root against a russian figure skater because russia has an authoritarian leader in vladimir putin or they're on the brink of invading the ukraine I'm not naive, and I don't think that sports aren't political or they can't be, but I'm I'm fascinated by how those identities interact. And I'm also, I'm an avid media consumer, and, and I'm fascinated to see how those decisions get characterized and how do we make it. And in Eileen Gu, you have an Asian American who is deciding to compete for China. It is going to be a fairly lucrative decision by all appearances. And she's a model. She has uh, contracts already that she's working with luxury brands. She's an incredible skier. The, you hear they recited her SAT scores on the broadcast. Like all of these things. Like it's, she, she, she's made a decision and she said, I, I want to represent, it's, it's the country my mom is from. I want to be an inspiration to a next generation of girls there. Like all of these different things. And it feels different when you see how it's presented in China. Like, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The Olympics as an entity have been and are being used to present a different image of China on a global stage. Like, there's, there's no doubt about that. Whether it is the treatments of the Uyghur minority in Xinjiang and, and the questions about that and the fact that there was a skier from that 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 Uyghur minority ethnic group that was part of I, I believe carried the flag at the opening ceremonies like it's freighted with politics but how do we separate the participants from the governments and how do we sort through that like I'm fascinated in how those things and I promise I'll get to the point where I'm being a jerk because that happened and and I'm, I'm kind of navigating how how do I want to behave um, as an online citizen which is kind of a pompous term, but there was like I, yesterday I kind of had a moment where I, I realized like, is that, is that the kind of combative person I want to be? What am I getting out of it? What are the reasons for doing it? Am I just, I'm, am I essentially trolling? Am I desperate for attention? Like all of these different things, but I'll go back to the beginning because part of the reaction to Eileen Gu's decision to compete for China is eminently predictable here in the United States. Like there's a framing of this that is, incredibly straightforward and you don't need to to guess where it's going to come from but fox news and this is from tucker carlson's show earlier this week but but here's tucker 
Carlson. He's I- introducing a segment. He'll bring on Will Kane, who uh, I'll have a clip from here in just a second. But here's here's how Tucker Carlson frames Eileen Gu's decision. Eileen Gu is 18 years old. She's a skier. She was born in San Francisco. She's a favorite to win several gold medals in the Winter Olympics in China this year. But she's not going to be competing for the country of her birth or her citizenship. Instead, she's going to be on China's Olympic team. She has one parent who was born in China, and she switched sides despite the fact she's American. What does this tell us about the moment we're living in and about our future? My answer to that would be that it tells us that identity is a fairly fluid thing. That the idea of who you compete for in today's day and age that idea of national identity or who you're choosing to compete for is it's complicated. And I would say that that's especially true for a person of color who has a parent who is emigrated. And I don't know all of that. I know that Eileen Gu's mom, her her father. So Eileen Gu's grandfather was identified, I I believe as an engineer um, in the communist party. So it sounded like there was, there was a direct tie there. Her mother came uh, to the United States for education, but this that idea I, I i did shout out to tucker carlson she has one parent who is from china as if that's some sort of negligible like just barely by a technicality it's like well but that idea that she's chosen china over the u.s like that part's valid right like she did that, that that's a decision she made and there's a number of different reasons that you could make that one of them may very well be financial there's a huge marketing opportunity there. Some of it may relate to her own feelings about China and her mother and her grandmother. Like there's a storyline that could be there that you could, what what it means to, to be from a place. And as someone who was, look, I'm, I'm many generations removed. I believe my ancestors came from the Isle of Man on the, on the O'Neill side. Um, I, I have, I, my grandfather, it was my, my mom's dad, um, I found out just a couple years ago is was Jewish, uh, something that he he hid he, like he didn't he didn't reveal that part of his his background at all. Um, I don't know what that feels like to have a tie or a pull to another country that's not America. I identify myself as American, but I, I'm interested in how other people and I don't assume that the, I, the, the decision to represent another country is traitorous, certainly. Like, I, I, I don't see that. I also understand it's different. And especially given the, the backdrop of these Olympics being a showcase for China and it having an authoritarian regime. But Tucker used that to introduce Will Kane. And here was here was Will Kane's sort of characterization of it. I think the only word we can arrive at is ungrateful for her to betray, turn her back on the country that not just raised her, but but turned her into a world-class skier with the training and facilities that only the United States of America can provide. For her to then turn her back on that in exchange for money is shameful. It's ungrateful like a child that says, I'm out of here. I'm moving somewhere else after being raised in a warm home. That part, that just strikes me as straight up like American jingoism, patriotism, sort of the beating their chest. America didn't raise her. Her her parents raised her like that. It, the the idea that she she could have only gotten this kind of training in America is I 
I, I, I don't know if they've not looked at the medal counts, but it doesn't seem like America has the strongest perch on, on, on Olympic preparation of, of, of anyone. But that idea that she's choosing to compete somewhere else, like there's some validity, but that part of it just strikes me as like, okay, that's nonsense. And, and the, where it cro- crosses a little bit of a line, it, here's what, here's what, where I go to is I think, okay, if you're going to, as, as someone viewing this situation, feel betrayed or express that by Eileen Gu's decision to compete for China, you better have that same energy when Asian Americans who do compete for the United States face anti-Asian sentiment. And Chloe Kim, who talked about this summer, she, she is Korean American. She competed, I, I believe at, at 13 was her first Olympics. I think she won a silver. She's talked about the anti-Asian hate that she's received. Whether the idea that she's taken a spot in the Olympics from from a true American, this perpetual other, like there's a subtext to this that citizenship is something that is conferred or or given to an Asian American, someone like Eileen Gu, as opposed to something they innately possess, like to something that you 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 are, and and that's this idea that there is some betrayal going on. That that I think just reeks of an inability to understand that a significant chunk of of people of color in this country don't get treated like full fledged Americans. They are they are treated as an other, even when they are born in this country and are American citizens and do compete for the United States in the Olympics. So there's a there's a fundamental reaction I I have to to that, and the fact that a lot of the people that are voicing this sort of outright hostility or characterizing Eileen Gu's decision as a betrayal are the same people that didn't see problems with nomenclature like the China virus and those sort of things. It's like, okay, like this isn't really about her decision. This is about China. This isn't really about one athlete, the validity of that decision or the reality of her situation. It's, it's how you see this decision based on the fact that they're competing for China. And that's pretty straightforward to me. The part where it gets a little more complicated or the part that I guess I've been a little more drawn to is looking at non-conservative publications and how they've characterized the decision. Slate.com, which is by no stretch a conservative publication, asked how jerky is the Asian American skier who chose to compete for China? And it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but there's this question of like, why did she do that? How lame is it that she did that? And that's, I, I don't like the term jerky. And like I said, I would come from the background of, I, I view it more like a decision on which college you're going to play for. That is, is a kid a jerk because they play for the University of Oregon? Hell no. No, not at all. They, 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 ch- they chose something else that they thought was in, was in their best interest. But at the same time, like there is a patriotism that's at work here. And there are people that feel that way. And that's not an invalid way to feel. Like, that's not, it's not wrong to say, hey, you picked the other side and I'm not cheering for you. I don't think that's wrong at all. And the part where I think I have and am still working through is how American journalists, and in in a case yesterday that I read, it's a Canadian, Bruce Arthur, who writes for the Toronto Star, 
are viewing Eileen Gu's case through the perspective of the the Olympics as as presented by China. And that can you separate Eileen Gu's decision to compete for China from how she's being used or presented as this shining beacon of success for China, for its Olympics, in effect, for its regime. Because that's happening. Like, there's, there's no doubt about that. Thomas Bach, who is the head of the IOC, he was at the freestyle skiing event where she won the gold medal. He was there, and so was Peng Shuai, who is the Chinese tennis player who back in November on, on a Chinese social media site alleged that a very senior, a very powerful official in the Chinese Communist Party had initiated and carried on an affair with her, had rekindled that affair, had sex with her when she did not want to, and, th- and then left her again. It was an incredibly sad message that she left, and the message was very quickly deleted. All mentions of her were, uh, of the case and of the party official, were, were scrubbed from Chinese social media. Nobody really knew what was happening. The WTA then spoke up and said they were concerned for her safety. There was, there were significant, there was an email that was sent saying, purportedly from Peng Shuai, to the the WTA, the Women's Tennis Tour, saying that she, I'm fine, don't worry. And the WTA said that they, they had doubts of whether it actually came from her. So for the past five months, there's been this uncertainty about her safety. She's made public appearances. It seemed very staged. The IOC, the International Olympic Committee, has been integral in China's presentation and vouching for the fact Thomas Bach was on a call with her. She's okay. And trying to basically say this isn't a political issue it isn't a political issue at all she's fine everybody's misunderstood as it stands the wta which is 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 the tour that she played for she was she's been a very highly ranked doubles player most recently i think at one point the the height of her career she's in her mid-30s now she was she was number 14 overall in singles so she's been a prominent player she's one of the two or three best singles women singles tennis players ever to come out of China, but she's toward the end of her career. The, the WTA, as it stands, I, I, I believe has said they, they do not plan to continue a business relationship they have in China. They're not going to stage tournaments, and they had just signed uh, a contract to have a WTA, I think it's their tour championships, played in China. So there, there, is, there is an extreme disconnect, and the WTA not only was worried about her safety, but that her claims of being assaulted of of being forced to have sex against her will be investigated so that's where that stands so that's happening in the background Peng Shuai was at that event she didn't speak to Eileen Gu or anything all this is happening and 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 the question I think that western journalists or uh, fans are wrestling with is how how much do we link and identify how, how responsible is Eileen Gu for how her success is being framed by China I've used the comparison before about uh, a high school football recruit going and playing for Oregon. The difference is, is that as much as I might make fun of Oregon for being a diploma bill or, or all of those things, we're not talking about an authoritarian regime. We're not talking about someone who has a fundamentally different uh, 
vision of how its student population should be controlled. Like they're basically two flavors, Washington and Oregon, of the same same basic approach. Like they're both American academic institutions. It's very different to represent China. And there's a lot that goes into that. But is that it is the is the decision to compete for China and inherently is that an endorsement of the regime? And I think I think some Western journalists are are saying it's not and then writing that it is. And specifically, I would point to Mike Rosenberg of, of Sports Illustrated who wrote about it because the first half of this column he wrote were all the explanations of why sort of, hey, even if this is just a business decision is what he's saying. If this is, I'm going to make a ton of money by marketing myself to China. Is that wrong? Like that's fairly American. There are tons of American companies. I, the the United U.S. airline industry does a, a massive amount of business with China and they make concessions to little things they don't refer to they they don't refer to Taiwan as an independent country like they don't they don't make that all of these things are compromises they make so they can do business in China there's tons of those sort of things so if this 18 year old freestyle skier decided that I'm going to represent China because it's going to bring me more money is that wrong and Mike Rosenberg's like no it's not wrong it's a decision and it comes with different implications but it's not wrong and he also pointed out that we don't view we don't view an athlete's an American athlete's decision to compete for the U.S. as an endorsement of the standing president. Like it's not it's not like all of a sudden now everybody's representing Biden. Where at the last Olympic Games they were representing Trump. Like that's 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 not how it works. That's not the standard we hold it to. And then there's this question of but it's China, and she's a prominent athlete. That this is different. Now I'm going to get to the part where I was being a jerk because I've, I've kind of laid this all out. And if you guys have been following the newsletter, you've seen me you see me write about this. Yesterday, I came across a column. Um, it was actually pointed out uh, by by Norm Charlatan, who is on Twitter. And I believe he's a brewery owner. Um, it's a very funny Twitter account. But uh, I, I he he pointed out this article by by Bruce Arthur. Who's a Toronto Star columnist that that I generally like and I think is I, I think is very good, but it's the same sort of thing where he is writing about. It is writing about how you reconcile sort of Eileen Gu's decision and her success with how it's being portrayed or propagandized, and is is she how culpable is she? for how the regime in China and the International Olympic Committee are using her success to to essentially put a put a smiling face on on, on China. Um, here's I'm going to read this is a line from from Bruce Arthur's column. She is the perfect face of these Olympics in more ways than one. And this is where it darkens because this is Beijing. Tennis star Peng Shuai was at the Big Air venue too, sitting with Bach, her third appearance at an event in three days. The IOC has been abetting China's cover-up of Peng's accusations of sexual assault against a prominent government and Olympic official, and Peng's appearances here have the grisly feeling of proof of life. I, I, think, I think all of that is true, which was a reminder of the path Gu now has to walk. She still dodges the question of surrendering her American citizenship, preferring to position herself as a bridge between the two countries. China does not allow for dual citizenship, 
So that is a real question when you are trying to be of both worlds. Goo loves saying, quote, if I can inspire one girl, then that's enough. It's all a nice idea too. But she has a sweet ferocity to her too. And it almost seems designed to insulate her from both the bad faith criticism, jingoistic anti-Asian sentiment from the Fox News crowd, for instance, and real questions. She had every right to represent the nation of her mother's birth and to choose her path. She has every right to seek her fortune in this world. And that's where I think that a lot of Western journalists are getting hung up on this because is her decision an endorsement of China's regime? Reading through that, I would say that, yeah, Bruce Arthur's saying it is, but he's but he's not. He's saying like she's got every right to do it and all of this. And if it is, well, should we hold every U.S. citizen that's competing for China to that same criteria? Because there's a there's a lot of them and some of them are thriving and some of them are not. And there was yesterday, and this again came from Norm Charlatan. He's getting a couple shout outs here on, on this. And it was a story from ESPN about the hockey team that is representing China at the Olympics. And his story starts. This is Greg Wyshynski that writes, Jeremy Smith remembers laughing. It was the 2018-19 season, and Smith was a goalie for the AHL Bridgeport Tigers, an affiliate of the Islanders. It was the ninth minor league team of his career. He was getting older. Outside of 10 games with the Avalanche, his NHL dream hadn't been realized. He was in hockey purgatory, and he gets a call from his agent. He's 32. Basically says, you got a two-year contract. You'll come and play in Russia, and it's an incubator for the Chinese men's national team. I'm reading again from Wyshynski. This struck Smith oddly. He was a native of Dearborn, Michigan, not mainland China. To his knowledge, he did not have any Chinese ancestry. So he wanted to make something clear to his potential new team when responding to it. I told them I can't renounce my U.S. citizenship, said Smith. They were like, do not worry. We won't ask you to. So it goes on. They, 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 he's, part of, he's part of this team that, that, that is, is, is now representing China that's there. And it's... I don't think that's wrong. I don't think it's bad, but it's clearly being covered in a dramatically different way. And maybe the answer is, well, Eileen Gu is a gold medal winning athlete. And this is a hockey team that's trying to avoid that China recruited to try and avoid national embarrassment. But it's the same stuff, right? Like it's the same decision. It's being couched differently. And maybe that's the stakes or the prominence. But I don't know. Is it? That's a story on ESPN.com. Like that's, that's a fairly high profile story. Like isn't. Isn't that story laundering China's image as much as anything regarding regarding Eileen Gu? And the the thing specifically in Bruce Arthur's article that that set me off, which was the sweet ferocity. And this is probably where I reached, because that to me reeks of this idea of a stereotypical depiction of Asian and Asian American women, but Asian women in Eastern of being sort of smiling, but tough. This, this sort of like steely, not quite trustworthy, sweet ferocity. Like there's the dragon lady stereotype. And it just, it, it seems to me like there is, there is a rich history of stereotypical depictions of Asian women 
that this story and a couple of others have strongly leaned into. So I I tweeted out, I think I retweeted something of Bruce Arthur's, like the story, and I said that that phrase, the sweet ferocity, uh, reeks of xenophobia, of fear of China. And he responded and said, are you crazy? And I said, nope, have a great deal of respect for your work. There are some serious problems in this column. He said something like, you're wrong. You're very wrong. Good luck with whatever you're doing. And I said something back. So it's stuck with me. And this is where I get into the part of what kind of, what kind of person I want to be. Because I did think about, I'm picking, I'm identifying of what I perceive as a flaw in someone else's work and trying to highlight it. And some of that is based on a desire to have a more accurate or a better depiction to, to, to alert people to stereotypes that they may be invoking, even if they're not intending it to double standards that might be used. Cause I do think there's a double standard being applied to Eileen goo as opposed to the, U.S. citizens that are representing the representing China in men's hockey. Like, I think those are legit issues. I'm doing it in the manner of, like, an online aggravator or, like, sort of this internet brawling, which it's not trolling because I'm not specifically doing it to aggravate, but I'm doing it in a way that is deliberately antagonistic. I could argue that it's a marketing approach, right? That I'm trying to bring attention to my perspective and I don't host a radio show anymore. I, I don't write for a newspaper anymore. And the, the internet is weird because you can't just exist on the internet. Like if you walk down the street, if you walk down the street, you don't have to do anything and you're there. Like people will see you, you register as a person. If you're just on the internet lurking, like you don't exist, like you have to act for people to see you. Like you have to, and that's that's one of the reasons that that sort of the conversations on the internet are weird is because you can't just be there. Like you can't, you can't stand behind someone silently to show support of them like you can in the real world. Like you have to act. And so I'm acting and I'm waving my arms and saying, this is wrong and this is messed up. Is that the person I, I want to be? Like, I've, I've done that at different points in my life. I've, I've been deliberately antagonistic to other journalism, uh, other media members. And sometimes it's been for what I think is a very valid point because I think they're messed up. Sometimes it's been, and I've regretted it later on. I, I, <laughs> I, once, I once said something about Jeff Perlman, who's, he used to be a writer at Sports Illustrated. He's written nine books. I think he's got a 10th coming out on Bo Jackson. I've loved some of the books he's written. He wrote a book on Barry Bonds um, that I thought was one of the absolute best. It was, it, he wrote about the personality, why Bonds chose to take steroids and what his personality was like as opposed to the documenting the fact. It was fascinating. He wrote a book on Roger Clemens. Uh, he wrote a book on the USFL that was absolutely entertaining and a great read. And he had a comment one he made a comment that was ripping on Aaron Andrews because she was being promoted at the expense of, of Pam Oliver. And the, the point he was making was that women get promoted based on beauty, not on competence. And this is messed up for someone. And there's, there's some truth 
to that. But the problem is that that also lends itself that that approach lends itself toward diminishing women who are considered or labeled attractive from being competent. Like it, it reduces. I think Erin Andrews is pretty good at her job. And I think she takes a lot of heat for being character. And I, I don't even want to say like she's a beautiful woman. But there is a perception that a woman can be beautiful or good. That they can't be beautiful and good. And there are times that I think her work... No, there's not times. I think her work gets demeaned and devalued based on people who say that she's just got the job because she's pretty. And that's that's as wrong as not giving someone a job because you don't think that they meet the beauty standards. Like Men, men are allowed to exist in all ranges. Like You can be ugly and on, on TV. You can be really good looking on, on TV. You can be really good looking on TV and really good at your job. And women get sorted into these different boxes. So Jeff had made a point where he was criticizing, like I said, the, the fact that Aaron Andrews had been promoted over Pam Oliver. And I wrote something like, I never pegged Jeff for being a woman hater. And so I had a point. Like I, don't, I think I've laid out my point fairly well. Did I need to did I need to make it in that way? Like no. And it ended up so I see a flaw in somebody else and instead of saying, "Hey man, you might want to look at this." Like I shine a big spotlight on it and go, "He hates women." Like, that's not I ended up it was a couple of years after it happened. I sent I sent Jeff an, an an email about it. Um, and apologized and said, here, w- here was the point I should have made. Here's how I made it. And I feel bad. Jeff did not remember it, like did not remember the incident at all, said he didn't hold grudges. But those are, I would describe those as sort of learning things as you, as you make going through, like, how are you going? How will I choose to navigate this portion of my career? How, how do I want to be? And so as I went back and forth with Bruce Arthur yesterday, that was, I wasn't comfortable with it. So... I ended up deleting the tweets that I posted. Um, I sent him a couple of direct messages, basically saying that I shouldn't have done it the way I did. I wish I hadn't. I do have some issues with the characterization that you used. I think that the quiet ferocity, the, the sweet ferocity, I think it's, I think it's a description laden with, with stereotypes and tropes. And I think I think that you're you're holding Eileen Gu's decision to a different standard while saying that you're not that that if you think that Eileen Gu at 18 years old competing for the for China in the Olympics is unavoidably an endorsement of their political regime, then say it. But don't say it's not. But in this case, it is because. That's that's the fundamental disconnect that I see. And it was I felt the same way about Mike Rosenberg's story in Sports Illustrated. And his was the one I probably liked the least. Like I thought it was in general the worst because he he gets hung up on asking her about citizenship. And she got asked six times about whether she's given up her US passport or whether she's still an American citizen. And like I can understand why that's a question. Because it, it absolutely is. But she doesn't want to answer it. Is she obligated to? And I'm not sure that the answer to that is yes. I can understand why reporters... Like, do they think she's ineligible and not eligible to compete? Nobody's arguing that. 
it's it's wanting clarity on something. And the reason is because China does not allow dual citizenship. So if she does still have her U.S. passport or is still a U.S. citizen, there's a question of what agreement has been reached that allows her to compete. But as you see in the story about the 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 men's hockey players who are representing China, like they didn't give up their passports. So there's there's some questions that I have about why they're so hung up about it. That like asking, I, I think it's dumb. But but the real issue and the one the line from Mike Rosenberg's story that I was just like, oh my god, like where how have you lost how have you lost the plot to this point? Is that she's here, here's I'm going to read the, the final two. Gu was asked a straightforward question. It's about her passport. And rather than answer it or even say that's a private matter, she spewed nonsense about being a force for unity. She might as well have talked about being, quote, together for a shared future, end quote. The slogan plastered at every venue here. Gu is competing for her mom's home country, where she says she spent a lot of time as a child, and that's okay. You just had to listen to her confidently answer questions in Mandarin with no translator or handler by her side, to believe she genuinely feels Chinese. What? What is that? What? Like, when I came across, I said, what, what have we gotten here? Like, you have to believe she feels Chinese to compete for China? Like, what? And what is, what is your belief in whether she feels Chinese? What does that even mean? Like, that, that's, and, and I don't, I don't quite know how he gets to that point in his thought process, but it's something to do with this inability to reconcile. This person is making a decision about competing for a country that, hey, in general, we don't look at these decisions as an endorsement of a political regime. But in this case, we kind of have to because of all the acclaim. And they end up getting caught in this. Are you blaming the athlete for the way in which their achievements are used? Who's responsible for that? Because if you say that Eileen Gu is inevitably responsible for that, Eileen Gu and her parents are inevitably responsible for that, like that's a valid argument. Like I'm not going to say that you can't you can't argue that because she, she's 18. Like the idea that she's naive, she's benefiting from 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 the the marketing that hey, you you know that you're going to be used in this way. And so you're responsible for the decision. But they're like, "No, we're not saying that. We're just saying that this is weird and because she won't answer the questions about her passport, we're gonna we're gonna vent all this scrutiny on her where I'm like, I there's a disconnect and then she really feels Chinese? What? Like that's just and so I guess I'm navigating the best way to express that. And what I ended up concluding yesterday when I deleted the tweets to Bruce Arthur, and I have not tweeted at Mike Rosenberg because I feel like is that I don't want to be someone who says things to upset people. I don't want to be someone who picks a fight and says you're dumb and this is why you're dumb. I do want to be thoughtful and I do want to explore some of the nuances and the differences. But that approach, that approach I don't think reflects who I want to be. And I, and I also think that there is, and this gets into something I'm going to talk about more in the future, I think I'm struggling a little bit with that idea of the reality of not having a platform. 
And because when it comes down to it, like when I talked about how you, you have to, on the internet, you have to act to be seen. The other way to look at this is that I'm not just presenting my own work. I'm not using Twitter as a conduit to, to get people connected with my work. I'm using it as a place to kick up a bunch of dust and make a spectacle so people will look at me. And it's a valid marketing approach. In fact, I would say that there's, a, there's a lot of examples around that would show that that's actually, uh, it's actually an effective marketing approach, maybe even an advisable marketing approach. But is that, is that something that correlates with my values? Is that something? And as I go through this, I, I can't help but like, we're talking about internet fights, man. Like I just, I hear Iversons, I hear Iversons, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game. We're talking about Twitter, man, not, not journalism, not real life. We're talking about Twitter. We're talking about Twitter. You realize how silly that is? We're talking about fighting on Twitter. So I'm glad I, I deleted the tweets and it's something that I'm going to think about more in the future. And, and maybe I, maybe I realized that like I'm a... I'm, I'm partaking in some attention-seeking behavior, right? Isn't that what you use for a kid when they're like, they're doing something deliberately wrong so you'll pay attention to them? <laughs> I'm going to go like, hey, you, you're a columnist for the Toronto Star and I think what you wrote is stupid. In fact, I think you're a sinophobe. Yeah, you're afraid of China. And by doing so, people will then pay attention to what I've written. Anyway, uh, I want to thank you for enduring that that little bit of introspection. Uh, I am going to talk next week. Um, I've been planning this out and actually hopefully going to have a person to interview about uh, a gap that I've experienced between the kind of person I thought I was with... I, I thought I was eminently prepared to be economically dependent on my wife. But like I really, I, I really did. I thought that is not going to be an issue for me. Like before we were even married, I was saying like, if we have kids, I'm going to take care of the kids. I'll write part time. When she was offered the job in New York, like when we decided we were going to go, it's like, hey, this is what I've been saying forever. We're going to pivot off of your career. And it, it, it turns out I'm, I'm not quite as comfortable with that as I thought. Like the, the sensitive new age man that I thought I was, like I've, I've got a little bit of work to do. So I'll talk about more about that next week. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys the Super Bowl. I, I'm grateful for you listening. Um, if you've subscribed to the newsletter, I'm grateful for that as well. Um, it'll also maybe, maybe prevent me from picking more fights on the internet to, to grab attention. But seriously, I uh, hope you're all well and talk to you soon. This is the dang apostrophe and I'm Danny O'Neill.